Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husso and me, Sean Hammond. Welcome to episode 68. Wow. 68. There you go. That's a lot of numbers. It is. I mean, I'm proud of us a little bit. I am too. I don't believe in pride, but here we are anyway. Welcome everybody for joining us for another edition of Sports Clicks and Politics. I am Sean Hannon, joined by Ben Husong as always. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Happy to be here. How was your weekend? Wonderful, I think. I don't know. You always ask this and I never remember. I know. Like, oh yeah, well, how was my weekend? Uh, no, it was a good weekend. Uh, I had a good time. Got together with some friends. Watched the Bills win 40 to nothing, which is always They covered. By a little. I mean, they were a 17.5-point favorite. We'll get into that. It's kind of a they, gigantic spread. Stop. They were 17.5-point favorites. <laughs> There's no way I would ever bet the Bills. But they no covered. shot would I have bet no. on a 17.5-point No, that's like spread. anything over 10 is ridiculous. That's 17.5. Yeah. you got to play the odds. If, you have to, yeah. if it's 10 or above, you got to take the take yeah. the points. Any, uh, any non-sports uh, weekend uh Topics of discussion you like to enlighten the folks with? Uh, no, it was a good weekend. Got to spend a little time with the family, run around, did some soccer coaching, and mm, soccer uh, season, huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah, we're, we're they, into it. Are they distanced? No, good. No, they're not. No masks, no distancing. I say that now. Now, guaranteed, next game they're going to come out with that stupid rule. Yeah, I got to work a private wedding over the weekend, Ooh. so I wasn't really at the at the the place of employment. I was, uh, yeah. Doing a solo gig, but nice. How'd it, was, it go? It was the middle of the woods or kind of thing, so it was nice. Fun. Yeah. Like deliverance stuff. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh. no. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't. How I was wouldn't. the rest of your weekend? Uh, that was good. I worked all weekend, but uh, yesterday was uh, kind of a uh, a weird uh, event for me. Anyway, so we had some news to cover a little bit. Um, before we get into any of that, uh, why don't you please take the time to like and share this video? It helps us with the algorithms. I haven't mentioned that in a while. You the haven't mentioned the algorithms in a while. So uh, please join us there. Uh, leave a, a review if you're listening to the audio podcast, uh, wherever you're listening to that audio podcast. Thank you. And you can leave a uh, five-star review for us there. Um, also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel so you can be uh, alerted to when we uh, release new content. So want to jump in a little bit of sports. We'll continue on that Bills talk and talk about uh, NFL Week 4. Yeah, let's let's cover it. Rough rougher week for your Steelers. Yeah, I mean I've given up on the Steelers already Fair after enough. week one. I got my Super Bowl and I'm done. So like I don't even, I haven't watched the game <laughs> since week one. <laughs> I already won the season. So it's over. Um I mean on that note, I'm pretty awesome. sure we're just waiting for Ben to retire here at this point. Yeah. I mean I didn't watch the game because I kind of was busy uh, working a wedding uh, in the middle of the woods with no internet connection. So Amazing. I didn't know I didn't know how any of that happened until uh until later in the evening, anyway. But uh, so I didn't see the game. But Aaron Rodgers, much better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger at this point in their uh, lives, probably in all points of their lives. I, was gonna, so, I mean, I don't, I don't want to belittle Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, he, but I mean, he's hey, listen, he's got Super Bowls, great. No, he's so, great, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. No. Um, but the Bills, actually, all the New York teams won this weekend. Bills are uh, Bills won, Giants won, and Jets won both in overtime. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty amazing for the state of New York. Well, the Jets, you, I, I still don't understand how Tennessee lost, but I also don't understand how, how Tennessee even scored. Like, how was the game plan anything other than give Did the ball to Derrick Henry? Sense? How, you don't think how they scored and they don't know how they lost? Yeah, I know. It's kind of, it's, it's sort I mean, of conflicting statements. I, sure, I, I got gotcha. you. Go ahead. But they're both, like, confusing points to me of, like, the, the Titans didn't have Julio Jones and didn't have A.J. Brown. Like, who are you throwing a ball to? 
Alan Fersker. Exactly. I don't know if his first name is Alan or not. I don't have a clue. I didn't even know his last name was Fersker. But like it was it was fun to watch the game and everything else. Like it was a good time. Oh, was um, that on TV? Oh yeah. Wow. I didn't get to see the end of it though, because I had an employee call in sick to the ice cream shop, so I had to go in. So wait a minute. It was on national television? I don't think it was at the end of the Bills game they played the Jets. Gotcha. Game. Gotcha. Because man, I can't imagine the Jets game being on TV. But well, anyway, yeah, Jets so, Titans, nobody's tuning in for that. But um, but it was an interesting game at the end. And then uh, you know, Kenny Galladay getting it done in overtime for the Giants. Yeah, I didn't watch any of that game either. I obviously didn't watch any of these games, but I I'm you know, it's always good when New York teams win. People seem to be in a better mood. The uh the hyped game of the week was Tampa Bay, New England. Lived up to it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't watch that game either, but uh, I, I was very close. Closer than I would have expected anyway, because I'm not really sold on uh, New England being any good. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. Chris Collinsworth is way higher on Mac Jones at this point in his career than I am. Um, I'm not down on him. Like, I think he's perfectly fine for a rookie, but it's the same rate. Like, Josh Allen's rookie year, you couldn't come out and be like, wait till you see it's going to be great. You're like, I mean, maybe. Well, but, yeah, I mean, we talked about this maybe last week or two weeks ago where there, at least there were flashes. Yes. Where Allen, you're like, okay, if he can do this, then he could play. So, and maybe Mac Jones is doing that. I haven't watched any of his games yet this either. So, I don't know. I'll, I'll take Collinsworth. Uh, expertise over mine. I'm not sure. He seems okay, but I think it's just too much. But he's time. also a media guy, so he's got a hype. And right. not hype, so whatever. No, um, and it's a uh, well. Cole Beasley got into the news again. I don't know if you saw this. No, it's around football. No. He put out a tweet that basically said, "The only place I get booed is at our home stadium. Nowhere else." That's what, awesome. What happened I mean, here? And then it I mean, was it's not awesome for him, but it's awesome that he's not. You know, the hashtag was "Let them in" because I mean, Buffalo only allows vaccinated people right. in. So if you if you are unvaccinated, we well, saw that he paid for everybody's like tickets who. Wasn't vaccinated, yes. who had to, like, they couldn't go to the games anymore, so he, like, bought their tickets out or something. I love Cole Beasley. Yeah, he's a great player. I know. And he's he just, he seems like a good dude. Yeah. I um, hang out with him. What else? Uh, Cardinals? They're probably the best team. They're number one in my power rankings. We'll get to that in a minute. I can't really argue. I I, mean, I can, but it's, they're they're dominant right yeah, now. Yeah, they look good. I mean, I mean, you know. Oh, so are the Bills. Like the the, the Bills are two great, shutouts. But they lost to the freaking weeks. Steelers. They did lose to the freaking Steelers. You're right. So until that goes away, which that's won't. never going to go right. away. So they could win the Super Bowl. Did they be play like, the they Cardinals still lost this year? That will that will trump the uh, Steelers' loss if the Bills can beat the Cardinals. I'm not sure what their schedule is. I like. don't even know if they play each yeah, other. Probably not. But I don't know. They played last year, so I kind of doubt they're playing each other again. Oh this yeah, year. then probably definitely not. Um, that was the the Hale Murray last year. Oh yeah, Kyler Murray flung it down. I, well, I had Kyler Murray on my fantasy team last year, so that was probably helpful. Um, I do have the Cardinals. Let's do the the, the top five here while okay. we're thinking about it, unless you have any other uh, NFL notes that you'd like to clean up before we go into the uh, top and bottom fives. No, Tom Brady's still absurd. Uh, I, was at, I was upset Gronk didn't get to play. I was, too. That would have been more fun. Oh boy. But that's all right. What are you yeah. going to do? I'm more impressed with the Bills' defense than I am even with the offense at this point, and the offense is good. But the defense is just at a different level right now than than what we've seen. Like, well, they were always, and maybe you, you know this, but they, they always seem to be really good against the pass last year. But it kind of gave up some runs here and there. But mm-hmm. uh, I guess they've uh, sealed up those holes. If that's what you're saying, I agree with that statement. All right. Well, I do have. I mentioned I had the Cardinals number one. I do have the Bills number two, Mister Hughesong. All right, I'll take it, even with that ugly loss to the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was Week One. That's about the. That's the best best out you have is that you were rusty or whatnot. I mean, yeah. everybody's rusty in week one, so listen, maybe you get some uh, 
I mean, honest outcomes. to God, though, that game, you're a blocked punt and a questionable pass interference call away from a very different outcome. Like, sure. that's it. And I don't mean to take anything away from the Steelers right. because the next throw that Ben Roethlisberger made, that touchdown pass, was one of the most accurate passes I have ever seen thrown. Yeah. That thing's off by an inch in any direction. It's not a touchdown. It was reminiscent, not exactly, obviously, because of the magnitude of the Santonio Holmes back of the end zone against yes, the Cardinals. It like, was. it had to be there or the nowhere else. Right. And. And, and the receiver there. had to make a great catch to right. actually pull it down, too. I agree. Um, so I have the Bills, number two. Okay. Uh, I have the Buccaneers, number three. I mean, I, can't I don't know. argue. It's Their defense is really legit. So, I mean, they might have the best defense in the league. They definitely have the best run defense in the league. Um, and obviously their offense is loaded, and I expect Gronk to come back at some point. So, and they have other tight ends at this point. They yeah. can just keep rotating in and out. Um I have the Cleveland Browns, number four. I would laugh at this until yesterday, but the Vikings offense is no joke. Oh, they're good. And holy crap, they got shut down. Yeah, and so the Cleveland, you know, they had this hype two years ago, I think it was, or and then really last year, too. They kind of, people have kind of forgotten about them, but their defense has a ton of young players on it, right? right. So, like, they're just kind of, like, kind of coming to age here. So, um, I have the Browns, number four. I'm not a huge Baker Mayfield fan, but he's... He's gritty enough that he can win games. On a great team, he can get yeah, right. the job He's done. He's, He's not carrying your team. But if you've I mean, got a great have, team around him. Right. I mean, hopefully, you know, for that team to be higher than four, to seemingly to get ahead of those other three teams, Odell Beckham's going to have to be Odell Beckham of old a little bit. So, like, right now, he's not that. But right. he's, he's just, he's only, this is only a second game back. So, we'll see. Agreed. And I have the Raiders at number five. Um, oh. There was... Other teams. How do the Rams? How do the Rams? How do the Packers? Um, Cowboys were also in the discussion. Um, Fair. I don't know. Let's go with the Raiders for uh, week four in the uh, five spot. I'd, okay. I'm not sure how long. They'll, the five spot was really close. Listen, controversial opinion. I think the AFC West is a better division than the NFC West. Top to bottom, I think it's a better division. Yeah. Well, well, after week four, it's a hot take. We'll see in week uh, eight. It's, we'll, a, hot we'll ta- it's it a hot again. take, but top to bottom, I mean, listen, the Broncos are bringing them down a little, but they're three and one. Yeah, like that's the worst case scenario is you got a three and one team that is the are inarguably the least talented team in the division. Yeah, for sure. And it's a but you got the Chiefs, you've got the Chargers, and are the Chiefs not in your top five? No. Wow. No. I don't I really, really blame you. Actually, they're they're I mean, they haven't looked good. They won this week. I mean, that they. I mean, they, just, they haven't looked like the Chiefs. That's fair. So well, they're, they're just losing close games. They were winning last year. Yeah. They've got to fix that. And, and this is you know week four. So yeah, it's still early. Yeah. Um, I think on the bottom side of things, uh, this is a toss up. But I'm gonna go with the Lions are the worst team in football right now. They definitely have the worst defense. Oh my god, they don't even exist. <laughs> like, what, what are we even putting out there? I don't mean to disrespect. That's not true. I do. It's just horrible. Uh, I got the Jags were the other one that were in the run. Their defense is also terrible. I only know this because those are the two defenses I target for DraftKings when Smart. I'm playing fantasy. I'm like, who are the Lions playing? I'm playing. There. Except I really wasn't a fan of the Bears this week, and I was like, I don't want to play any Bears. But, but yeah, the Jacksonville and and uh, who was it uh, Thursday they played right? Yes, and Joe Burrow lit them up. Yeah, I mean it was a it was a mess. Um, Their secondary is terrible in Jacksonville, but yeah, they're both terrible. They're both terrible teams. I mean, I'm, I'm giving the nod that the Jaguars are a little bit better because I feel like, all right, I'm going to give you the rookie QB pass of like, sure. you got a rookie and he looks pretty good, so there's something to build, and I would expect him to get better, whereas in Detroit, I think Jerry Goff is Jerry Goff. He is who he is. And he's not bad. He's a little below Baker Mayfield. Like, he's on the Rams. He could get the job done. Now you're on the Lions. Eh, it's not as good anymore, boys. No. It's, it's getting a little ugly. Um, 
After that, this is another that's the three four spot, also a toss up. I'm gonna go with the Jets are worse than the Giants. Okay. I I mean I'm not giving them the rookie QB benefit no. that I gave the Jaguars for I no guess. reason other than I just don't like the Jets, I guess. I don't maybe not. But I do I do think the Giants have a better overall roster, but no offensive line. And that has been the Giants' problem for 10 years, is they just will not get offensive line addressed. And then they're like, yeah, well, we got Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. Like, great, but maybe somebody could, you know, slow down the defense from getting into the backfield. Also, Daniel Jones went for 400 yards, first time in his career this weekend. Good for you, Danny Danny Dimes. I mean, took overtime, but sure. Still, still, legit. still legit. Still legit. <laughs> still counts. Uh, so then the Jets, the Giants, and then this is a, a sort of a turn. I don't know if this is surprising or not, but I think the Atlanta Falcons is the next worst team in the NFL right now. I, like, we talked about this last year with them, too. They are the most creative team at losing games I have ever witnessed. They love to lose. It's incredible. Last year was fun because it was just like the NFC West was the worst division and then who was the fifth spot. This year it's a little more interesting. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't uh, think the Falcons are going to hold up, but right now they suck. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, can't, I mean, Matt Ryan's past his peak, so I mean, they don't have Julio Jones, regardless. Nope. Mike Davis is washed up. I don't know. They're 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 a bad team. Yeah, they're I uh, agree. they're one year they're 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 one year away from rebuilding, going for the first draft pick, basically. So they're you're probably right. Yeah, it's not good. Is that five? That's five. Congratulations to those bottom five for Lions, making- Jaguars, Jets, Giants, Falcons. Nice. Want to talk a little NBA real quick? I mean, I, mean, I am the in-house expert on all things National Basketball Well, the games haven't started, so you're, an, you're still an expert. Oh, thank God. All right. Yes. The games haven't started, so, so we're just talk talking NBA. about COVID vaccines oh, and yeah, NBA yeah, yeah. players. Yeah, oh, this so, I do yeah. like this topic. Yeah. So um, I fielded an all-star team. I saw it. It's pretty good, right? Kyrie, Bradley Beal, Draymond, Jonathan Isaac, Michael Porter Jr. Now, I had Alan Wiggins as my... Uh, Alan? Sorry. You just like the name Alan today. <laughs> so, Andrew Wiggins. I feel like you know who Alan Wiggins was? He was literally a second baseman for the Baltimore Orioles like in 1982. <laughs> uh, I don't so, want to but I wouldn't even maybe born yet, so I don't remember that. Um, Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins. Went and got his shot. Did he really? Yeah, just breaking news 12 minutes ago. Wow. So he will uh, not be forced to set out home games. Oh, that's disappointing. So... Um, I also saw something like the, I think it's the Bucks. Maybe it's other NBA teams. Maybe it's all NBA teams. But I think I saw the Bucks are requiring vaccines if you sit courtside. So oh, like the okay. tickets only, I guess, if you're uh, within breathing distance of the court. It's amazing. Six feet thing. It's amazing that we're still doing that. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see how the, the NBA starts here soon. Who um, is advising these people? Who knows? Who knows? Oh my God. Um, but I don't know. I find it interesting that the NBA has probably stood up, or at least these handful of players. I mean, you, we saw Jonathan Isaac's statement. If you haven't, I would encourage anybody to go listen to that. I'm not sure if that was a uh, like planned response, but it couldn't have been better. I mean, the I dude agree. nailed every point that he needed to nail, all the way from I already had COVID to it's not my job to make sure other people you know get their vaccine kind of thing. So uh, it's interesting to me that the uh, – some of the big big shots in the NBA. Even it took a long, took LeBron a long time to get the shot too. Apparently, uh, oh really? That was, was his refusal was not news for a long time. But when he finally got it, they were like, "Oh yeah, he got it too." So um, I don't know. Like I said, I feel the NBA versus uh, vaccine mandate is not going to go away anytime soon here. So I mean, it it adds an interesting element to the to the discussion 
because it's easy to dismiss all of the vaccine hesitant people as redneck Trump supporters. Like that's the that's the image that is portrayed all the times. And then you get up there and you listen to Andrew Wiggins. I'm sorry, Alan Wiggins talk about Either it. Way. And you're like, well, I kind of doubt he's a Trump supporter. That, that, that doesn't really fit the image of what we were hoping for. And then people all of a sudden, how quickly they will turn on you like idiot. He just doesn't understand. He's ignorant. He doesn't get it. I literally listened to some. There was somebody on sports talk radio that I was flipping through channels and they, they played the statement that he made about, again, what you just said. Was he the one that was claiming religious exemption and then it got denied? No, that was Andrew Wiggins. That was Wiggins. Yeah. I'm sorry. So it was Wiggins that, that I was listening to give the statement. And then the guy said, so you know what I took from that? That he doesn't have an answer. He doesn't know. He just doesn't get it. And that's and then he got caught. And I listened, I just laughed. I was like, that that's what you took away from that statement. I mean, come on. And this is the thing. Look, we've talked about this before. It's not new. It is a non-sterilizing vaccine. I can't wait until these players are required to get boosters because the second shot didn't work and they got a COVID outbreak and they're all going to be so confused. We're all yeah. vaccinated. How could this have possibly There's happen? definitely going to be a COVID outbreak. I'm just saying, At NBA and, games? Yeah. And there's all, and it's all, you know, they're, they're like at something like 90% vaccinated. Right. So, um, it's going to be the 5%. See, be, it's it'll your fault. It'll be interesting. It's amazing how much people will stick to that narrative despite all of the evidence to the contrary. If you're like, um, look look at the places with really high vaccination rates and really low, it's it's not really changing. I mean, it's weird that the unvaccinated are killing all the vaccinated and living by doing that, right? So we're the unvaccinated are killing all the vaccinated people, but they're still living? Is that, how, is that, the, is that the agenda right now? Now that, right there, that is a sign of a great vaccine. <laughs> weird sign me up <laughs> all right let's switch off of sports and go to clicks mm-hmm. prince andrew Back i just wanted news. to i just wanted to touch base on this i thought i would follow up the golden child of the royal family yeah, something like that um the hunter biden of the royal family so we mentioned that uh uh virginia jeffrey who is one of the probably the 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 face of the victims certainly uh, the most well-known sure and she's she's kind of gone through some of the uh, uh, legal uh, obstacles that needed to go to try to get Prince Andrew, you know, to kind of be accountable and responsible and uh, maybe, uh, you know, see a, see a judge or a trial of some sort. But anyway, so she filed a lawsuit in the uh, Manhattan district, I think like it was, but it's a federal lawsuit and he has till October 29th to respond to this uh, lawsuit now. So, I'm not sure what to make of it, if anything. Um, but at least there's a date that we can kind of look at that I feel like is on the docket kind of thing that uh, that maybe there will be some movement towards uh, a Prince Andrew, I don't know, I got no accountable. Hope. I, got no I don't have no hope, but... I'm done. I'm checked out. I'm not checked out. I'm still very interested. I've just given up on the outcome. That's it. I don't expect anything to happen. I just want more people to know about it. Well, here's my, my take is that the outcome will always happen as the uh, the evil become closer to death. So, like, this Bill Clinton, like oh. as he's ready to die, like, oh. all the stuff will come out. Prince right Andrew after. and all that stuff, it'll all come out. It'll come out after they die so that nothing can be held accountable. That's my... And they, they just, they're just dragging this out, right? They're dragging out literally as long as they possibly can so that all the people will die before they have to come to, come to public light. So. Yeah, I'm not normally a fan of public shaming, but Bill Clinton, is, like, gives a really strong case. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Well, I mean... I don't want to use such words, but yeah, more or less. Like, 
I don't know if you saw that thing a few weeks ago when they were talking about um, William Barr, for Trump's attorney general, was a CIA lawyer back in the day when uh, when we were running drugs out of Columbia yeah. through a little airport in Little Rock, Arkansas, Arkansas and mm-hmm. Roger Clinton was spearheading it. And they had like a letter that William Barr sent to Bill Clinton, and he was governor at the time, and said something to the effect of, "If you can get this done, we'll uh, we'll discuss in greater detail that new political opportunity we discussed, and it looks very likely." And then, son of a gun, got the presidency like six years later. It's not weird, yeah. not at all. It's normal. I think it's really normal times. I think there's some Epstein ties to that thing down there. Too. Oh that's my crazy. God! Yes, that's so. listen. This is the stuff we don't learn about, know, and you, then you learn about, it and you're like, I feel dirty. Yeah, I feel so dirty. I don't want to be here anymore. This is so bad. We're doing this on purpose. Yeah. So I don't know. Hopefully, we get some uh, something from this uh, Ow. thing here. So I mean, I'm waiting some time to get some uh, updates for you uh, until 29. Uh, Prince Andrew will have until October 29th to serve a response to complaint. An initial oral argument scheduled for October 13th will be vacated. So um, we got some news. Hopefully it will come anyway. So fingers crossed. So let's, we have never talked about this on the show. Um, I don't think so anyway, unless we brought it into some kind of conspiracy theory, but I don't think we did. Are you familiar with Havana syndrome? I am actually. So for those of you who don't know, this was, uh, has been going on for a few years. I feel like in, uh, most other parts of the country, but mostly in Cuba, which is the title for Havana uh, syndrome here. So that makes sense. Um, apparently, these are high pitched noises that are causing brain injuries to officials or whatnot. whatnot. And the U.S. had thought that maybe uh, Russia was implementing microwave sound technology. Wave yeah, yeah, some technology that was oh, yeah. uh, targeting our uh, officials in Havana and other people. Uh, prominent people in Havana and apparently some of these other uh, uh, places around the world as well. Sure. But uh, as it turns out, Mr. Hugh song, it's crickets. So the U S has determined that crickets are causing the high pitched sound that uh, is causing these brain injuries, quote unquote brain injuries. Uh, did you know that the house passed a bill, I think in May to, give health benefits to those affected with Havana syndrome? I mean, it was the right thing to do. Well, they were crickets. What are we doing? It's kind of funny. I mean, it's stupid, but funny. It's kind of funny that, like, we were literally trying to, like, cause diplomatic... Um, What's the right word here? We were trying to diplomatically fight with another country over this thing. Yeah. And then it turned out like, oh, imagine being the one that discovered it. You got to go back to like the Department of Defense and everybody be like, hey, guys, uh, let's dial down the public rhetoric. I mean, there, I remember reading articles about this when it was happening. And even then they were like, well, some people think it's just crickets. Like, so like it wasn't like it was an unknown thing, but apparently they got confirmation. So it's crickets in Havana people. Well, now so that they've put it out there publicly, are, I don't believe it's crickets anymore. Maybe <laughs> probably true. Uh, now I think they do have a microwave sound gun. I mean. I'm not going to get into any of that. <laughs> as soon as they admit it, like, I don't think it's true anymore. <laughs> UFOs. I mean, I'm sure UFOs are real, but I don't believe the government's take on them. How's that? All right. All right let's talk uh, about something more disturbing, uh, for sure. Um, are you familiar with Lieutenant Colonel Stephen Schell- or, uh, Stu Scheller? I am not. So, Stu Scheller, I'm going to play a video here for you guys, yeah, and uh, you can listen to his... Uh, uh, words himself there, Mr. Hugh Sung, and this way you can know exactly what we're talking about. Sounds good. 
His name's not Alan, right? His name's not Alan. Stu, okay. Stu Scheller. Evening. My name is Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller, United States Marine Corps. I'm the current battalion commander for Advanced Infantry Training Battalion. I've been in the Marine Infantry for 17 years. Started my tour with Victor 1-8. It's the current unit that's doing perimeter security, dealing with the mess that's going on there. I, you can see open source reporting that there was an explosion and some people were killed. I know through my inside channels that one of those people that were killed was a someone that I have a personal relationship with. We won't go into more details because the families are still being notified. Not making this video because um, it's you know potentially an emotional time, making it because I have a growing discontent and contempt for my perceived ineptitude at the foreign policy level, and I want to specifically ask some questions to some of my senior leaders. And I'll say, as a person that's not at 20 years, um, I feel like I have a lot to lose. If you play chess, you can only see two to three moves out because there's too many variables. I thought through if, if I post this video, what might happen to me, especially if the video picks up traction, if I have the courage to post it. But I think what you believe in can only be defined by what you're willing to risk. So if I'm willing to risk my current battalion commander's seat, my retirement, my family's stability to say some of the things that I want to say, I think it gives me some moral high ground to demand the same honesty, integrity, accountability from my senior leaders. And so I want to start with, we'll just use the Marine Corps, my, we'll just stick with the Marine Corps. So in the current fallout of Afghanistan, a lot of Marines were posting on social media and in response to that, the Commandant published a letter, which is the service chief of the Marine Corps, and I want to read from it. It was dated 18 August, so only a week ago. The Commandant, sir, you wrote, some of you may be struggling with a simple question, was it all worth it? We want you to know that your service is meaningful, powerful, and important. You fought for the Marine to your left and the Marine to your right. You never let them down. And then you go on to say that you know, if we're, we're struggling, we should, we should seek counseling, which you know, I get it. People have killed people. Um, I've killed people, and I, and I seek counseling, um, and that's fine. There's a time and place for that. But the reason people are so upset on social media right now is not because the Marine on the battlefield let someone down. That service member has always rose to the occasion and done extraordinary things. People are upset because their senior leaders let them down, and none of them are raising their hands and accepting accountability or saying, we messed this up. If an 05 battalion commander has uh, the simplest live fire incident EO complaint, boom, fired. But we have a secretary of defense that testified to Congress in May that the Afghan National Security Force could withstand the Taliban advance. We have chairmen of Joint Chief, who the commandant is a member of that, who's supposed to advise on military policy. We have a Marine combatant commander. All of these people are supposed to advise. And I'm not saying we've got to be in, the, in Afghanistan forever, but I am saying... Did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, the strategic air barriers, before we evacuate everyone? Did anyone do that? And when you didn't think to do that, did anyone raise their hand and say, we completely messed this up? I've got battalion commander friends right now that are posting similar things, and they're saying, you know, wondering if it, all the lives were lost and, and if it was in vain, all those, all those people that we've lost over the last you know, 20 years. And he goes on to say that we're all part of a chain. While every link may not be tested, the strength of the chain is only as strong as each link, and you got to be, you know, good link, something like that. 
And what I'll say is, in, from my position, potentially all those people did die in vain if we don't have senior leaders that own up and, and raise their hand and say, we did not do this well in the end. Without that, we just keep repeating the same mistakes, this amalgamation of the economic slash corporate slash political slash higher military ranks are not holding up their end of the bargain. I want to say this very strongly. I have been fighting for 17 years. I am willing to throw it all away to say to my senior leaders, I demand accountability. So, I know some of you guys didn't hear that there on the video here, but I'll have that on the audio there. So please be sure to go listen to that video. Uh, I posted a link into chat there so you can go listen to it. But So, Mr. Hughesong, you heard his words there. Do you know where Mr. Uh, Scheller is, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller is today? He is in jail for making those comments indefinitely without charges being held. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's for his health, they say. Uh, they, you know, made some kind of assertion that he was uh, a danger to himself and uh, therefore put him in jail to protect him from himself. Okay. Um, without really rehashing all of Afghanistan, we talked about that a little bit on our show when that was occurring. Um, I don't think he was wrong in pretty much any of that. Like, he basically was saying, you know, why did we leave? Why did we close Bagram before we got rid of everybody else? That makes 100% sense to me. Clearly, we've talked about how the uh, withdrawal was rushed or at least uh, done with little, very little care of uh, impending outcome, regardless of what anybody was saying there. And this guy basically calls leadership in and say, hey, what the hell are we doing? And because of that, they throw him in jail. I mean, it's sadly predictable, but it's always... Uh... It's just so, so bad. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, you know, the powers that be, the forces that are kind of controlling the globe at this point, uh, have, you know, no care for any human life at whatsoever. And if anybody gets in their way, they're going to make sure that they're taken out. And that's pretty much what I feel like what's happened here. So this guy drew attention to the fact that our military made, you know, a bunch of blunders and, uh, he basically wants to know. You know, how did that happen when we have apparently so much training and we're the expert military leaders in the world? How could this happen? And because of that questioning, he's in jail. So, I mean, it's a reasonable question to say, how did it go this badly? Because it it really looks like it was either gross incompetence or willful. Or it was a political move by the senior leaders and chain of command to make it look that bad because the powers that be didn't actually want to leave Afghanistan yet. Yeah, that's, um, my, that's exactly where I feel like. I mean, they, were, they threw a hissy fit. And they were like, oh, you want us to leave? Okay, we'll leave. Here, here we left. And we're going to make it as bad as possible yeah. to maximize the pressure on you that you've got to turn around and say, no, let's stay. Is that And even if it's not for Afghanistan, to your point, even if it's not for Afghanistan to go back there, all, any future conflict they'll, they'll they'll can point to this and be like well we can't just do we can't do afghanistan right. again and literally they just botched the whole thing on purpose i mean it's it's entirely possible and now this guy calling now here's the thing like we can say that when you're speaking about it in in sort of the um situationally or as a as a hypothetical 
you're like, yeah, it makes sense. But then you think about what that actually means, and that costs people their lives. Like that costs not just Afghanis, not just not just people that live in Afghanistan or 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 worked or helped us or didn't help us or were just civilians. That also costs service members their lives. Like people died during that withdrawal that did not need to die. And so this gentleman coming forward and saying, hey, wait a minute, you went and testified under oath that the Afghan national security forces were prepared to take over and that this wouldn't happen. Now you're turning and saying, well, we were wrong. But now we also have all the info and all the intel you were looking at at the time. Well, not all of it, but a lot of it. And there was no way to reasonably draw that conclusion. There was no way you could have objectively looked at the situation on the ground and concluded that this was going to go smoothly. There is no possible way you could have drawn that conclusion and that this plan be executed without either being grossly incompetent, which I don't think too many people at the highest levels of chain of command of the military are. Some, sure, but not all. There's no way. It defies logic, it defies reason, it defies common sense that you could have gotten it that bad. There was absolutely no reason to believe, and this is when we go to the Afghanistan papers and they interviewed a lot of these same people three or four years ago, they were saying, the Afghan army is not close to being ready. We have no idea what we're doing. They're not even close. They're number, they have ghost soldiers that are just on the ranks that we know that we're paying that aren't there, but the generals are just That's keeping the money. That's a great gig. Oh, my God. Ghost soldier? You're not real. That's just a general's like, I got 10 people right here. And they're like, what are their numbers? Like four and six. Okay, here's money. Like, we knew this was happening. They they can't say they didn't. And that's what we know as a public. Imagine what these guys actually knew. Like, these yeah. guys know. And so for him to turn around and say, listen, I, I lost friends. I like, And not only losing friends, I have killed people. I've taken a human life because of your lies. And now you come in, and now more people are having to do this, and you're you're making this go bad on purpose. At least that's that's my fear. And if it's not true, for the love of God, please come forward and explain to me how it's not. And the military response from the Marine Corps is to they're going to charge him with conduct unbecoming an officer and a gentleman, disobeying lawful orders. Although I'm not exactly sure what order he disobeyed. Listen, he, he actually asked to to be discharged, honorably discharged, and they said no, go to jail. Wow. Yeah. So he tried to get out. And they're going to make an example out of him, yep. and it's sad. And this yep. is where, uh, I mean, my as somebody who did serve, like my, my faith is broken. My faith in, in the service is broken. I, I would not go back in today. Uh, there's no shot. Um, I don't want my kids to do it. I never thought I would say that, but I don't, because this is what you're dealing with now, and this is what you sign up for. You sign up to serve and they run you. That's that's the truth, but it's service to the country. And I grew up thinking that was something that everybody should do and benefit from. And it was, in a lot of ways, very good for me. And I learned a lot. It's also bad for me in other ways. But that was the price you pay. And now I look at it differently. Because now I'm looking at it and thinking, you know what? Between mandating this vaccine for no beneficial reason whatsoever. I, I mean, you're talking, if you're in a military you got to be in some kind of shape. Yes, there's a few outliers who are there and they're grossly out of shape and they, you know, paper, right, their pencil whip the, the PT test together to pass it, even though they couldn't pass a PT test on their best day. Sorry, PT is physical training test. You have to pass those in the military. But most, you got to be in some kind of shape. You, you, you do. Like, you've got to maintain physical fitness. It's a big part of the military. Why are we, why are we mandating a vaccine for these people? I, I mean, it... 
force readiness? Bullshit. You're so full of it, it's not even funny. And you're not thinking of like, well, we know there's adverse effects, but oh well. So my issue with this, with every mandate is, it's a non-sterilizing vaccine that best case scenario is going to give you some level of protection for six to seven months and then go away. So, yeah, and honestly, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement. I, forcing them to get the vaccine is literally some of the most trivial stuff that's actually they're having to deal with at this point. Right. And sad, now, but. so that was where I started like, all right, what are we doing? Like, if I was in, what would I do? And now this guy comes out and, and rightly asks the question of, hey, guys, how? How did this happen? Because it looks really, really bad. And instead of just, all right, go home and get out, they threw him in jail. Like, so I'm supposed to still come out and be fully supportive of this particular organization. I'm having a hard time getting there. I'm having a very hard time getting to the point of, I think that they're still trying to do good because I think the average soldier, Marine, airman, sailor, yes, I think they are in Coast Guardsmen. I think they are trying to do good. The people running the organizations, I don't. I, I've lost all faith. And listen, I'll let you pick which one it is. I either don't have any faith that you're competent or I don't have any faith that you're trying to do good. You, My fear is that you are entirely competent and this is exactly what you're going for. That's my real fear yeah. is this. You're getting the exact result you wanted. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I'm at. So well, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, I'll, I'll re- we'll report back on this and see what happens with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller and uh, his well-being. So. Um, since you brought it up, let's talk a little bit about vaccines, but before we get into the boosters, I just wanted to, we talked about the, uh, New York's, uh, healthcare mandate last Monday. It took effect there. Uh, I don't know, whatever. Do you remember, uh, did we talk, we didn't talk about this on the air cause it happened after, but right. <clears throat> remember the next day they came back, governor Hochul, uh, basically victoriously claiming that now 92% of our healthcare workers are vaccinated because of the mandate. But what she forgot to tell everybody is that they basically lopped off all the, the people that fired and quit from the denominator so that they got 92%. What a, she's a lizard person. It's amazing. Ah, listen, this is like this doesn't make sense what we're doing. Like she literally stood up there. Like, and there's no doubt that she was trying to, you know. See, it worked. Say, like, look, it worked. We got all these people got vaccinated. No, that's not how it works. Right. Just it. And just to, to piggyback on this is why I bring it up because that's only, that's only part one. Right. So that was only the hospitals. And so October 7th, I'm reading from uh, our boy, Bill Hammond at the Empire Center. Oh, boy. He has has an article out here uh, from September 28th. In a survey this month at the Home Care Association of New York State, a subset of 189 agencies projected that more than 12,000 of their workers would quit rather than accept the vaccination. (laughs) So that's 189 out of 1,500 agencies in New York State. So 189 agencies are going to lose 12,000 workers. What about the other 1,300 and whatever it is, 11? There's, there is, there's going to be tens of thousands of healthcare workers that are going to quit because of this, setting these nursing homes back decades, it seems like. So maybe they'll, maybe they'll get a late surge of uh, acceptance of this vaccine. It doesn't seem likely. Um, so that's, this, we got to all look forward to this October 7th. Uh, this I mean, is luckily, super well. Yeah. I mean, luckily I'm not in a nursing home. At this if point. you're going to get sick, I would do it soon, folks. <laughs> Don't wait till it gets too late into October or November because stuff's going to get yeah, stupid. So we'll, we'll report back on this next week and see uh, how that uh, went into effect and how that's going to affect. But let's talk about boosters. So 
the FDA a while back uh, voted down, uh, did not recommend boosters for everybody. Sure. Uh, I think it was in the vote was like 16 to 3, I feel like, if I remember correctly. I think we reported on that. It was overwhelming. Overwhelmingly, yeah. Um, and this was on the heels of having two Fed or uh, FDA uh, leaders of the vaccine there, the uh, what were they, the director and the deputy director of some agency within the FDA that basically quit because they did not, right. Cause they, they, they said basically, Hey, this is not science anymore. This is, this whole decision is being politicized about boosters. Um, and then the FDA went and they, uh, did not approve boosters for anyone or everybody, but then they went ahead and approved boosters for those 65 and over. And how is this, how has this played out so far, Ben? I mean, so do you get your booster? <laughs> Does it count as a booster if you didn't get the first one? Yes. All right, cool. Um, all right, so this is where I'm having a hard time. So they come out and they say, all right, we got this vaccine. It's safe. It's effective. Well, then you say, well, what about the VAERS data that, that's really troubling? Like, well, you can't rely on that. That's nonsense. Like, okay, but in, in your thing where you were going to test the safety, that was what you pointed to and said, see, we can track adverse effects in real time. So we're not, we're not using that anymore because it's, it's not accurate. Exactly. Okay, well, where is the NIH or the CDC or the FDA? Where are they tracking adverse effects and measuring them? Does anybody have an answer to that question, by the way? Because I still haven't been able to find it. No, they don't want that data. Weird. That's, that's totally normal that you came out with a brand new vaccine that was developed inside of a year because of Operation Warp Speed, and you're not interested in long-term safety. But at least the long-term safety, initial long-term safety data will be collected at the end of 2022. So then we can look at it. So we got that going for us. Thank God. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Sure. At least we got full approval somehow of a vaccine without long-term safety data. Not emergency use authorization. Full approval. Cool. All right. So that, the safety questions are there. How would we know if they weren't safe if you're telling us not to look at the only... And VAERS is admittedly very flawed. I'm not telling you it's not. But why don't we have anything else yet? Okay, that's my first problem. Effective. <laughs> no, it's not. Sorry, guys. 94% was a nonsensical number, just as a recap. In the study, Sean, if you got the placebo and I got the real vaccine in the study, right? This is Pfizer's data. You get your first shot, I get my first shot. You get your second shot, I get my second shot. You get COVID three days later with the placebo. You got COVID according to the study. I get COVID three days later. Doesn't count because I'm not fully vaccinated not until 14 days later. So if I get the if I get the vac, if I get the vaccine and 13 days later I get COVID, doesn't count. Not only that, as long as I don't have symptoms by the time day 14 comes around, I count as the vaccine worked. That's, that's amazing. It's my favorite thing ever. But anyways, neither here nor there. So then they came out and said, well, it looks like uh, Dr. Fauci did zero COVID in the people that got the vaccine. Dr. Walensky zero COVID. Two idiots with a podcast. That's not what it says. That, that, that's not close to what it's going to hold up to be. That's that's a nonsensical conclusion. Oh, and it looks, early indications are that maybe there's a possibility it could have some impact on reducing your capacity to spread it to other people. Again, two idiots with a podcast. No, it doesn't. That's not what it says at all. That's not, you can't draw that conclusion. That's insanity. Son of a gun, the science changed. Turns out it doesn't affect spread. Weird. Turns out it's not 94% effective at killing off COVID. Turns out there was 0% chance of it completely killing COVID. Weird how we keep getting that right. I love when the science changes to what you and I said six months ago. That's always a really reassuring feeling that two idiots with a podcast 
I have a better correct percentage than the head of the CDC and NIH. That's cool. That's real. Oh, and then the CDC came out and said, it's hitting kids. And then two idiots of the podcast went, no, it's not. That's, that's a very slight increase and is largely described by RSV and other seasonal vari- variations that are not COVID-related but are then testing positive in the hospitals. Three months later, huh, that turned out to be true. Weird. It's not, it's not disconcerting at all. All right, so now here we are. Not safe. Well, we don't know if it's safe. It's probably safe. I, I don't have any idea. There are some adverse effects, and we're not tracking them. Cool. It's not, it's not nearly as effective as what it was made, initially made out to be. Right after you get the vaccine, there is a period of time where it appears you are actually more likely to get COVID. And then 14 days later, your antibodies go up and it comes out. All right, cool. And then it goes away. Six months later, your efficacy, which was nonsense to begin with, is now measured at 40%. And it's only by reducing severe symptoms, hospitalizations, and deaths. It's no longer about not getting COVID. Now it's just not going to be as bad. It's a nice shift to the goalpost. I like it. And then they came out and said, it appears that the vaccine immunity is going to be even better than natural immunity or acquired immunity. And some two idiots with a podcast went, that's not what it says. That, that's not true at all. That like the, the natural immunity of anything, you should be concluding is it looks far better. That came out, according to the Israeli study, 13 times stronger to have acquired immunity compared to vaccine immunity. Weird how they got that one wrong, too. Again, just that's that's. Totally normal that these experts in their field keep getting things this obvious, this wrong. Now we need boosters. And, you know, finally, some people kind of went, wait, what do you mean? Like, we got to get a booster. I got the vaccine, and now you're making me get a booster, and this is for everybody? So they got this panel of experts together, and they said, and Pfizer showed up with literally one study involving 300 people as their justification for why we needed everybody over 16 to be eligible for a booster shot. One study, 300 people as the only evidence because they expected it to just get rubber stamped and move along. But the panel of experts, to their credit, said, no, you're not, you're not, you have no data. You have nothing to show us that just, and we know there are some risks, especially for younger people. Why would we give them another shot? That's crazy. And so the CDC or the FDA said, okay, well, how about for people over 65? And they have, and the the panel went, yeah, that makes sense. People over sixty five, immunocompromised, or people with certain conditions, they should get it. So that's it. Let's just take a quick look at what that's morphed into. Of the only people who are supposed to be getting booster shots, those over sixty five, those with uh, significant compromised immune systems. Now, here's what we got instead. Uh, I'm going to make sure I get this exactly correct. I just had to look up what percentage of the population was obese because that, as it turns out, that matters a lot. All right. Anybody 65 years or older, anybody age 18 and over who lives in a long-term care setting, anyone 18 or over who have underlying medical conditions, anyone over 18 who work in high-risk settings, and anyone 18 plus who live in high-risk settings. So let's see what that means. Living in a long-term care facility is relatively straightforward. Living in a nursing home, assisted living, something like that. I get it. Um, I think there's a reasonable assumption that you have significant health issues if you live in a long-term care facility. That's reasonable. I don't necessarily think every one of them needs it, but okay, fine. I'm going to skip the underlying medical conditions because I'm going to come back and end with that one. So let's see. that People who live and work in high-risk areas 
So what would that mean to you, Sean? Uh, level level three uh, uh, biohazard lab. <laughs> it's a very nice reference. Oh. That was well done. <laughs> you know, maybe people that work in hospitals, like emergency rooms, patient-facing things, health clinics. And those are on here. First responders, healthcare workers, firefighters, police, congregate care staff, food and agriculture workers, mm. obviously. I mean. Sure. Manufacturing workers are apparently in a high-risk activity. Are the agriculture outside or indoors? I mean, it doesn't just, specify, so oh, it's both, obviously. Okay. Just checking. Correction workers. Uh, I, I get what you're going for, maybe. U.S. postal workers, <laughs> who are also exempt from the vaccine mandates that every other federal organization had to do, but that's not weird. Public transit workers, grocery store workers, and education staff. Teachers, support staff, daycare workers. Guys, I don't know how to tell you this, but if you want to talk about who's at an increased risk of getting COVID and getting sick, they've tested teachers like 10 different times. Well, I know what the conclusion was on every single one of them. Teachers have no higher risk of severe COVID-19. Teachers are not at an increased risk whatsoever, but we've expanded this definition of who gets the booster shot to include them without any justification whatsoever. That's not weird. Not at all. All right. Well, let's go back now. So on top of that, now let's talk about underlying medical conditions. Now you expect cancer, heart disease, obesity. Sure. And I agree with all of that. But it also includes anybody who's overweight. Overweight, Sean. What percentage of American adults do you suppose would be classified as not, not obese, which is already a pretty large portion of our population, just overweight? I mean, if I had to guess, I would guess in the 70% range. I'm going to, listen, I can't find good data on it, but over 30% of us are obese. Right. All right. Like, that's I, mean, I would a consider myself number. overweight, but not obese. I think so I'm in I, the same boat. Right. So, I'm relatively healthy, but I'm probably. But I'm, overweight is literally, you know, an arbitrary. Whatever they decide your whatever's weight is, you're one pound over that. You're overweight. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's defined as I think it was a BMI. It comes okay. out of BMI. Yeah, um, that's weird. So instead, where the panel of experts came out and said, "Hey, COVID booster shots do not make sense for people that are under sixty five and in relatively good health. Like you can't. This doesn't make any sense. Sixty five plus with health conditions. Okay, you can get booster shots." And somehow the NIH, CDC, FDA, whomever you want, turn that into essentially everybody gets a booster shot. If you want it, come and get it. Now, if the panel of experts, and again, we're trusting the experts at all times for good reason, has concluded the risk is not justified by the purported benefit for this group of people. Teachers being on this list makes no sense. And I don't mean to besmirch or belittle teachers. You have an amazing profession, and I don't mean to demean it or or belittle it. You're not at an increased risk of getting COVID-19. This has been so thoroughly studied that it's inarguable. Like, there is no data to support the idea that teachers are at increased risk. None. There was a fear early on that they would be. But then it turned out this miraculous thing happened. Kids do not spread COVID-19 to adults with any meaningful efficacy whatsoever. Can it happen? Sure. But the word can is doing a lot of work in that sentence. I can get struck by lightning when I walk out of the door. I can. 
it can ha- I can go on a killing spree tomorrow and kill 10 people. Seems unlikely, but I can. So if you're basing it on Ken, you're insane. That's nuts. It is a question of comparative risk and benefit. Teachers aren't there, but somehow we're, we're opening up and saying, yeah, go get your booster shot. Like, that doesn't make sense. Manufacturers, agriculture workers, how? They work outside in farms. And you're selling there at an increased risk of COVID? Like, why are we doing this? I, I don't understand how it turns into, well, here's what these people said, and then our government has basically opened it up. If you're overweight in America, good enough. Like, why do we have a panel of experts for anything? Like, why did they even go through this? All they did is it turned out they backdoored it, it got rubber stamped, and it's, it's for everybody now. So they took the advice of their experts and then disregarded it. Now, I've been called a science denier for doing the exact same thing. What are they? Oh, I forgot. They are the science. That's a healthy attitude to take. Yeah, no. People love to make their own little policies because they make them feel like they're doing good in the world. And regardless of whether or not the science agrees with them or not, they're going to try to do something. Whether or not they, they never do nothing. It's amazing. It is amazing watching this play out in real time. And then it's amazing when things like hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin or vitamin D are proven to have at least some positive impact. And let me just say this for comparison's sake. If you're going to argue your definition of effective is what the vaccine offers, then you cannot argue that ivermectin is ineffective. If that's the threshold for effectiveness, ivermectin meets it hands down. Now, if you're of the opinion that the vaccine is ineffective, then we can have a discussion on whether or not ivermectin reaches the definition of effective for you. I'm on board. That That's an actual debate. But if you if the Threshold is what the vaccine currently offers protection-wise. Ivermectin, no question, is an effective treatment for COVID-19. Doesn't mean it's a silver bullet. Doesn't mean that it solves the problem altogether. But it's an effective treatment when taken early and in proper dosage. It even has great impact late. But it's, again, less. We ignore it. We call it horse paste. It's a, a, there's a literally a full-on press to get everybody vaccinated which is just crazy mind-boggling crazy listen i'm I'm trying to make sense of this from a reasonable scientific standpoint of why are you including teachers why are you including agriculture workers we should have known all this though back when they first unrolled the vaccine right i mean i remember making a somewhat of a facebook joke about it being like they don't know how to unroll the vaccine i'm like here here's a plan how about start with the 90 year olds go to the 80 year olds and work your way down right but no that's not what happened the teachers union got involved all all these unions got involved all these uh levels of workers i mean listen i'm guessing that some of these if not maybe the majority of those people maybe had some concerns or were scared and really wanted the vaccine maybe early on in the the time Um, but we're way past that now and as you just laid out there's not a whole lot of reason to have the majority of the group getting boosters, getting the vaccine, regardless of getting boosters. If you are a teacher and you got your booster, want to get your booster, God bless you. Uh, Truly, I'm not here to tell anybody else how to live. But the CDC, or the NIH, I guess would be responsible for this. The NIH opening it up for your, if you're a young teacher and in reasonable health, The panel of experts came out and said, the risk is not worth the benefit for you. And then the government comes out and says, come get your booster. Like, understand, you're just disagreeing with the experts. You're siding with the government bureaucrats over the panel of experts and deciding to take that risk. God bless you, but you should know what you're getting into. That's my only 
point in all of this, everything I raise, every point I raise, I'm not telling anybody else to get the vaccine or to not get the vaccine. That's not my thing. I've had people call and ask me, and my response every time is, it is not my place to tell you what to do about your health care. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm an idiot with a podcast. I just want good information, and this is nonsense. Like, this coming out and turning into that is bananas. And unfortunately, kind of expected. Totally predictable. Yeah. Right. And I remember having a conversation when they first rolled it out, and that first article came out and said it even indicates that maybe the vaccine stops the spread. And I was discussing it at a bar with some friends of mine. And, they, and I said, it's not going to impact spread. And one of them, not in a mean way, like rolled his eyes very dismissively of like, yeah, see, so you just don't know what you're talking about. And I went, yeah, we'll see. I, I read the same article, but then I read the study. And I'm telling you right now, there's no chance it's holding up. And he's like, yeah, well, you're just too far gone. I said, okay. It's weird. Again. That's going to be the new name of the podcast. Too Far Gone. Too Far. (laughs) That's a good name, actually. It's an accurate one, too. Um, I'm trying to make sense of this. If If the objective is genuinely public health, why are we not following any of the science? Why are we still denying and not counting natural immunity amongst the same class or better? Well, I know the reason for that. Because you can't monetize natural immunity. No, you can't. You can't monetize that. And it's tough to monetize vitamin D. And it's tough to monetize ivermectin I mean, in any meaningful the, amount. I mean, the idea of natural immunity, just real quickly, and then I'll switch subjects a little bit. Yeah, but the the idea that we have <clears throat> healthcare workers who have natural immunity and that we're not utilizing them in situations where that would benefit us as a community, as a as a society in general, is, again, just backwards. It's literally the opposite of what you should do. It's about like conformity. These people, yeah, these people, whatever. Let's it doesn't on. make sense if the answer is, if the objective is truly public health, firing somebody who has naturally existing immunity to COVID because they're somehow a risk because they won't get vaccinated yeah. is insanity and nobody should be supportive of this. It's, it's not about yeah, it's health. crazy. It's not about health. It's about compliance. Right. And if you're on the side of mandates and censorship, historically speaking, you're probably not going to end up being on the right side. All right. Let's, let's talk about somebody else who's not on the right side here. Uh, Mike Pompeo? Well, he's not on the right side, right? Depends on the issue. I Who guess. knows? Um, so we talked about this briefly last week, <clears throat> but I kind of wanted to bring it up and touch on it in a little bit more detail. Uh, so there was an article in Yahoo News. Uh, the authors were Zach Dorfman, Sean Naylor, and Michael Isikoff. Um, this basically outlines and details some of the thought process as uh, this is most of this happened shortly after the uh, Vault Seven release from WikiLeaks, okay. um, which was on Mike Pe- on Mike Pompeo's watch, so uh, he got his panties in a bunch and decided that he was basically going to figure out anything possible on how to end WikiLeaks, including discussions of assassination and kidnapping uh, from the our Ecuador- government doesn't do those uh, things. From the We're the good guys, yeah. you liar! So out here spreading misinformation. Pompeo's come out and said basically, you know, and neither one of those things were ever voted on or planned or whatever. They were never. They were just basically just uh, spitballing, right? They were just spitballing, but he didn't deny any of that either, too. So um, yeah, so they didn't get to the level of hey, we're going to do this, but it wasn't like it wasn't like for an, a lack of uh, idea. Like it, the idea was there, and Did they were he just ask like for a plan. Yeah, that well. No. I, I thought I read that he asked somebody to put together a plan of how they would kill him while he was in the embassy. Well, so some of the, the and, uh, uh, one of the cra- the craziest thing of the was they actually hypothesized that they thought Russia was going to try to kidnap Assange out of the Ecuadorian embassy to, to you know get him out to Moscow and protect him, and that they thought that there was going to be a gun battle in the streets of 
Ecuador between the Russians and the United States people. Like they were planning for this. Yeah. I mean, that would have been, I mean, literally movie, movie-esque. Right. Again, when it's a hypothetical, it sounds awesome. Real life, like this is well, horrifying. And <clears throat> Russia's like, we had never, we, we were never going to, this was basically a whole Russia thing too. Like, like Russia's like, we were never going to take Assange. Like you guys are idiots. And, but that, <laughs> but, but we were like, if our, and even in the article and the author, I listened to an interview from the, uh, 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 Isakov there when he was like, he's like, well, we don't, there's no proof that the Russians were trying to do this, but our assertion is that the U S intelligence thought the Russians were trying to do this. So whatever. They, it's they, what we would have done. <laughs> yes. And, and now I do want to touch one more thing on this, which was, uh, kind of the, it was, I say buried in here. Cause it's definitely part of the, the, the article, but it doesn't get, it's not getting anywhere near the attention that the Assange assassination kidnapping, uh, parts are, is that during the Edward Snowden, um, there was a documentary done by Laura Poitras, I think her name is, and Glenn Greenwald, who we've mentioned here m- multiple times uh, on his reporting, and he was the uh, the lead the lead reporter, the journalist who was covering uh, who Snowden gave basically all this information to. That those that that Laura Poitras and Glenn Greenwald were trying to be relabeled as information brokers instead of journalists, so that basically they could institute spying on them and so listening to a glenn grinwald interview about this aspect of this article he when he left hong kong from snowden he had people within the intelligence people said do not come back to the united states you're going to be arrested so basically he stayed out of the united states for 11 months went to brazil and has finally had had eventually came back but it was 11 he basically stayed out of the united states for 11 months thinking that he was that they were already spying on him and right. that they, he had, inf- he had, there was stuff that they, he knew that they were watching him and that he was told that if he was going to land in the United States, that he was going to be arrested. So I find that the most disturbing, I mean, the whole Julian Assange part is literally disturbing with a capital D. Um, but the fact that they're trying to like Grant Greenwald is, you know, I clearly he pushes against against established, but he's a legitimate journalist who's been reporting things for decades. Right. I mean, this is not, I mean, yeah, the Snowden thing is, 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 huge and it was a you know probably a life-changing story for him but he was a journalist before that and a journalist after that he's a journalist he's not an information broker and the fact that they can label a journalist an information broker so that they can spy on him is literally disturbing and goes against everything that you would possibly want out of a of a uh, transparent government for sure or from freedom of the press standpoint yeah i mean it's it's and even if they weren't successful in arresting glenn greenwald uh, or laurie portress and they had all these uh they were spying on them like other journalists must be kind of have their antenna up now being like, okay, well, I'm not going to report on certain things because I don't want my life being turned upside down by our government. So even if they don't get Glenn Greenwald, they've probably deterred a bunch of new Glenn Greenwalds from emerging from uh, just a, a, a you know regular journalist aspect and, and limiting what they'll actually report on them. So, the story is more than just Assange, even though that's a literally a terrible, terrible thing. Um, but the idea that our government is targeting journalists when they report on journalists is disturbing as all hell. Yeah, it's crazy. This literally is, crazy. This is like Banana Republic type stuff. This yeah. is stuff we laugh at other countries for doing. And we're doing exactly it. right. Exactly right. Like think, genuinely, think about the Edward Snowden thing. The uh, the head of the NSA goes on under oath on television and says definitively with no equivocations, we are not spying on American citizens. None. Edward Snowden's like, yeah, we are. James Clapper's not the piece of shit. James Clapper's the worst. So 
Edward Snowden gets it published through Glenn Greenwald, and they say, and it's not like it's high-risk stuff as much as the intelligence community tries to spin everything into. It's a security threat, and he's endangering you. Like, no, you're fully corrupted and spying on every citizen, and you have the, the ability to read every email, text message, listen in on any phone call you want across the country. Some of us are a little uncomfortable with any other human being having that much power and control. I don't know. Seems kind of bad. Yeah. And your response was, let's go find the guy that published this and made us look bad. We're going to change his designation so we can place him under arrest for doing his job. That's it. Julian Assange, listen, like him or hate the guy, what he demonstrated was not security risk and putting people at and putting lives in danger. What he demonstrated was the gross malfeasance and overreach of the government as a whole, the Defense Department, and the NSA, and put it up for the world to see and shined a light where they didn't want a light. And it's not because they didn't want a light so they could protect their assets. They didn't want the light because they were doing shady, shady stuff, and they continue to do it now. And he went out and said, you're doing this. They said, no, we're not. And he went, well, here's all the proof. And they went, security threat. I'm sorry, but if the government is doing bad things, the person that calls them out, should not be the one who's vilified. No. The person who definitively proves and publishes those things should not be the one who gets called out at that point. Yeah, I, I mean, if it's, I feel like it's the same backbone of the whole Lieutenant Colonel Scheller thing, right? Like you've right. exposed you've exposed something that you're not supposed to, and you'll be taken care of because of it. Right. So. There is a legitimate problem that you are bringing to light. We cannot have that, so we are going to paint you as a threat to national security, unpatriotic, doesn't love the country, and endangering the lives of the service members around you. And if that doesn't work, we'll kill you. And if that doesn't work, we'll kill you. Or have a gun battle in the streets of Britain outside the Ecuadorian embassy. <laughs> That'd be fun. Aye, All right. Aye. Let's let's touch on this last subject here. Um, <laughs> in Color Me Shocked for 1500 Alex. So the Federal Reserve... Um, if you guys haven't been paying attention, uh, lost a couple presidents over the last uh, week or so. Weird. Oh, and just so people know, this Federal Reserve is a network of different chapters. So 12, that's why 12, there's multiple I believe. Yeah, presidents. There's 12, 12, 12 different right. banks, I, be, I think there are. I think that is correct. Um, and so two of those 12, the Boston uh, president and the Dallas president, both resigned last week. In light, because of uh, an insider trading scandal if you will uh at the federal reserve so let me let me give you some of the details here and you can fill out any any minute details you feel like that might be necessary so the dallas fed president president kaplan um he had multiple one million dollars totaling upwards of 27 million dollars of investments in s&p futures okay um Technically not illegal. Sure. Um, and then one of them, I'll get to, I'll draw this all together in a second here. So the Boston Fed president, so he made, these guys are basically doing day trading, which is kind of crazy. Awesome. Right? So this guy made 37 REITs trades, R-E-I-T-S. It's a real estate, real estate uh, investment trust. Um, and he made all those within one year. Now, these are on the heels of, the Fed buying $700 billion worth of mortgage-backed securities, basically ensuring that the 37 reach trades are going to be successful. Um, and all of the 
the the debt purchases in general are making you know people were going into the s and p so the the idea that the Fed who's dictating all this monetary policy and clearly knows the economic impact that it has when it makes those policies. If they don't, they're idiots. For sure. Okay. It's literally beyond, beyond discussion. They, they, if they don't know, they shouldn't be in that job. Right. Um, and we, we didn't mention Chairman Powell. He's also uh, was doing some uh, 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 real estate investments as well. So the guy held some municipal bonds that the yeah. Fed then turned around and bought, driving right. up the price. That's normal. So the fact that these guys create the policy and they can make trades based on information that they know is going to happen ahead of time shouldn't be technically legal. Like that should not be a, that, that should be illegal and they should be in jail. And now just to, 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 to back that up, the fed has changed their policy as of yesterday or two days ago. Now that they, they had all the presidents had to divest from anything and put them only in index funds or cash out. So not only did they just claim it as, Oh, well, this is this, this was fine. This is technically not illegal. They all, they changed the policy immediately, realizing that it's a bad look. Anybody, anybody looking at it with any kind of reasonable eyes would be like, uh, this is terrible. Sure. So I don't know that Fed Powell's going to, uh, the Chairman Powell's going to end up uh, resigning here too, but I saw, oh man, there's another one on the news this morning that I forgot. There was another uh, Fed president who was uh, being dragged into this, and I can't remember which, which one it was now. But anyway... I'm guessing it doesn't stop with those two or three that we've already been alerted to. I'm assuming that most of them, if not all of them, do this. It's people are dirty. Dirty is beyond... Yes. The, it's terrible. It, I mean, and this is... I mean, we're talking about, like, the wealthy of the wealthy of the wealthy, right? I mean, these are... These, these people... <laughs> They're not worried about inflation. No. <laughs> well, and, and, and these are the guys who want to track $600 bank transactions yeah it's not for it's not to track the wealthy it's no. attract it's attract everybody else I, I mean i've never i mean i literally think the fed should not exist so this doesn't you know doesn't change my opinion on that at all Makes well when sense. the fed was originated to take over printing of a paper currency the the fear was that they would drive that would lead to debt because that's what's always happened when you bring in central banks to any country and as a excuse me as a compromise the government said, okay, fine. We need this because we think it'll allow for greater expansion and curb off some problems, but we'll put a debt limit in so the government can only go so far into debt. And that way we will curb the excesses we know are a threat and will cause a huge economic downturn. And so now what did they do? Well, you know the debt ceiling is a retractable roof, right? They just keep raising the thing. Yeah, it's, it's not a ceiling. It's not at all. It's a joke. It is nothing more than a political tool, a political football to kick back and forth whenever the other side's in power. And they go, uh, well, we got to raise it. Yeah. What's the point? It's like having a seatbelt on your car that you just don't buckle. That, like, it's pointless if you don't use it as it's intended. So it wasn't another president. It was the Fed, Fed uh, vice chair, Clarita, traded millions one day before Powell emergency pandemic statement. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome news. I, these people are not here to serve your best interests. They're not. 
I don't know how much more clear you can make it. And going back to like just to touch on this and then we'll jump back in. If you think a three and a half trillion dollar bill would involve no new spending, you're high. That is not possible. That's not how math works. But anyways, the reason this is so this matters, the stock market has not gone up virtually every year for the last 13 years because of solid economics all the way down to the low level of businesses. The stock market, in large part, has gone up almost every year for the last 13 years because the Federal Reserve is engaged in quantitative easing wherein they have been putting somewhere between 80 to $120 billion per month to go and buy treasuries. Now, what that means is that puts the money in the market. So how is the stock market supposed to meaningfully go down when somebody is funneling $80 billion a month into it? Somebody do the math for me. How does the market go down when that's happening? I mean, it's happened on occasion, and now, for the, for the so that's how impactful this is. That when the Fed says, we're going to start tapering, meaning we're just going to start slowing down the quantitative easing, the market drops by 2%. People sell. Because people know this is why the market's going up. Like, people that do this for a living know this is why the market's going up, in large part. Also, stock buybacks, because they've driven interest rates down so low that a lot of companies just go out and they borrow a ton of money at exceedingly low interest rates, like, you know, 1%, 1.5, and they go and they buy up a bunch of their stock. So the law of supply and demand, if you limit the supply, but the demand is still there, what happens to the price? Checks up. Goes up. And then all these executives whose compensation and bonus structure is based on stock price cash out. So they borrow at 1%. Stock market goes, stock of the company goes through the roof, increases by 10%. Look at this. We're brilliant. Look at our price go. Now, did the fundamentals of the company change at all? No. Profitability change at all? Nah. Risks, threats, any of that change? Nope. But stock price went up just because they bought back the stock. That's not weird. So... Looking at this, and now you have the futures contract where you're betting on what's going to happen down the road. So if in, let's say, I don't know, March of 2020, when the S&P is down 20%, then 30%, and you happen to know the Federal Reserve is about to fund the largest amount of cash inflow to the people and to the stock market ever, where do you suppose you'd bet on that future going? Up. I would think so. And Which if the average get... person doesn't know that that's coming yet, and I mean, you do, did you get that? You didn't get that email. I, you know, I missed it. I'm on their email list. Obviously, they, the Fed then turns around and says, "Hey, we're going to do all this now." Upon hearing that, an average person is going to go, "Hey, I'm going to go buy these. I'm going to go buy stock futures because if that money's coming in, it's a reasonable conclusion that that's all going to go up." But that guy already bought it, and he got a better rate than you, so he gets to win because he had inside information that you were not. Um, aware of pervy to thank you that's wrong there's a reason that is illegal if you did it if I did it we would go to jail ask Martha Stewart she went to jail well she went to prison for insider trading ironically enough members of Congress fully allowed to do insider trading until 2008 I believe it was uh yeah no I'm not sure the year but that is right fully legal for 20 years after it was illegal for the average person to do it, it was still legal for members of Congress to do it. That's not crazy. Now, apparently, the Fed, who arguably has the single biggest impact on the stock market of any entity, of any single organization, their people are allowed? 
that wasn't against the rules for them to engage in insider trading. And everybody just goes, that's normal. Just just a real quick interjection. I I shared with you this earlier today, but we haven't talked about Bitcoin today, but this was a uh, a tweet from uh, something called Nancy Pelosi's Nancy Pelosi's portfolio tracker, which is a great which is a great handle just for the for the record. Right. Nancy Tracker is the uh, handle actually. Bitcoin is up over seven thousand percent over the past five years. Nancy Pelosi's portfolio is up over ten thousand <laughs> percent. She is so smart. All right, listen. If you guys are so savvy, aren't savvy investors with great familiarity for rates of return. 7,000% in five years is unheard of for traditional investing. It, like, it's because it's cryptocurrency bought in its infancy. Like, Amazon doesn't give you that if you bought in early on in five years. Nancy Pelosi's portfolio of various stocks, bonds, cryptocurrencies, real estate is up 10,000% in five years. For an average investor, what you're typically shooting for, 6 to 8% per year. That's what you're going for. 10,000% in five years cannot. A hedge fund couldn't do that. And they're the smartest investors in the world, allegedly. There's only one way you get to 10,000, guys. And it ain't legal. So I guess this is my my frustration that keeps brimming to the edge. And I want to scream this. Like, this is not normal. This is not okay that this is happening. And it's not just Nancy Pelosi, for the love of God. It's Chuck Schumer. It's Mitch McConnell. It's Ted Cruz. It's all of them. They do this stuff, and the Fed shares are no better, except they're unelected. There is literally zero consequence to them whatsoever. These guys are going to resign from the Fed, and that's going to be the extent of the ramifications for doing this. Yeah, they'll go get plushy jobs. Oh, yeah, they're definitely ending up on Wall Street. And this system is unsustainable. Well, just to wrap it up, at least they got rid of all their investments and divested just in time for their tapering. You know... Son of a gun. I mean, they got rid, they had to divest of all their investments just before we're about to have the largest increase in COVID cases ever. Plus, the tapering is going to start taking effect. Anything else we want to throw in here? It's almost like they released a story right as they wanted to end end the story. So, I don't know. It's all, it's all bizarre world. Right. And the the, the Fed is loaning monies to banks at unprecedented levels, like levels that would have been illegal three years ago. Like, guys, this is a house of cards. I don't know what's going to cause the downturn, but, geez, apparently it's coming soon since all the Fed guys just divested of all their holdings. I would venture to guess that's happening soon. All right. Oh, God. Yeah. This is not financial advice, for the love of God. Don't listen to me for financial advice on the show. All right. Well, do you have something lined up for episode 69 next week? I don't know. Should we get a sex guru on here for episode 69? You're such a child. I know. But I figured I would throw it out there. It came off the top of my head, so. What's the gem, uh, the astrology sign that's the six is it pisces feces i hate you (laughs) (laughs) all right on that note let's get out of here yes all right i thank you again for joining us we will be back here again next monday 12 p.m eastern uh for more uh news of the weird i I mean we got to consider this name change to too far gone that's that's (laughs) an accurate description And on that note, please uh, share and like this video again. Share it with all your friends, all your family, anybody who uh, may be interested in uh, doing this. And if you listen to the audio podcast, uh, again, leave that rate and review. Five stars is uh, good. One star is bad. So leave five stars. And we will see you all again next Monday.